0: Please turn with me to Luke chapter 8 this morning. We're going to be reading verses 4 through 18. And when a great crowd was gathering, and people from town after town came to him, Jesus said in a parable A sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot. And the birds of the air devoured it, and some fell on the rock. And as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. As he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when the disciples asked him what the parable meant, he said, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, but for others they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God, the ones along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts, so that they may not believe and be saved. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. But they have no root. They believe for a while, and in time of testing, fall away. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, They are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. As for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. No one, after lighting a lamp, covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed, but puts it on a stand so that those who enter may see the light, for nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. Take care then how you hear, for to the one who has, more will be given, and from the one who has not, even what he thinks he has will be taken away. Let's pray. Father, I pray that this morning you would help us to understand, to hear from you, that you would open up our minds and our hearts to receive your word, to hear hear it, to respond rightly. God, to treasure Christ and see his great sacrifice for us. Thank you Lord, that we who are alive are alive by virtue of what Christ has done and have hearts made anew by him. Help me to preach your word this morning, I pray in Christ's name. Amen. So imagine for a moment that you a Jewish resident of Palestine in Jesus' day, happened to hear this parable from Jesus himself. And maybe you're with other people from your town and you're surrounding Jesus. You've heard about him as a teacher and as a prophet, and you're interested in to, to hear what he has to say. Now, as a Jewish citizen, you've heard the Old Testament quoted in the synagogue. You've been taught by other rabbis. Uh, you've discussed maybe the Torah with your friends. But now Jesus has come and he's talking about seeds and soils and a sower. And, and the content is easy to understand. Everyone can imagine this kind of farming, right? The farmer's going to put the bag over his shoulder, grab the seed as he walks around a field and just tosses it out. No doubt you've been aware of the different types of soils, the problems of birds, thorns, the heat of sun, and scorching these plants. You know, they know, what are the optimal conditions for a seed to take root, to germinate, to grow into plants that yields fruit, producing a harvestable crop. So why is Jesus talking this way? What does this mean? What does this have to do with their main religious questions of the day, which are, how was the Messiah to come? How how was Israel to be saved? When will the kingdom of God be established? The disciples with Jesus asked these very same questions. They too didn't understand what Jesus was talking about. They needed Jesus to explain the meaning of the parables to them as well. Verse 9 says, And when the disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. But for others they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. So thus there are two reasons why Jesus would speak in parables that we see in verses 9 and 10. First, Jesus is concealing the secrets of the kingdom of God. Particularly from those who don't have ears. And second, he's also revealing the secrets of the kingdom of God to whomever he chooses. Well, this Sunday begins a summer series where we're going to look at eight of Jesus' parables from the book of Luke. Matthew, Mark, and Luke have over 60 parables recorded. These are simple stories used to illustrate a moral or spiritual lesson. But this is the way Jesus uses parables. James Edwards talks about Jesus' parables in this way. Most of Jesus' parables intended to teach something about the kingdom of God, which he illustrated by everyday episodes of fishing and farming, housekeeping and family life, royalty and banquets. No special knowledge or vocabulary, was required to understand Jesus' parables. Parables reflect daily life, but they're not simple or easily understood. Jesus' parables often confront hearers with the unexpected, confounding them and forcing them to perceive things in a new light. Parables are like a stained glass window in a cathedral. They're dull and lifeless from the outside, but brilliant and radiant from within. Parables do not simply dispense good advice. They are good news. But the good news cannot be understood apart from the one who announces it. The life of Jesus Christ is the greatest parable of all. So the parable today in Luke 8 is recorded in both Matthew and Mark's Gospel as well. It's the very first parable recorded in any of the Gospels. And notice when the disciples ask the meaning of the parables, Jesus tells them it contains the secrets of the kingdom of God. In fact, in Mark 4.13, the parallel passage to this one in Luke, Jesus makes it clear that his, this parable is the key to understanding all the rest of the parables about the kingdom of God. He says to him in Mark 4.13, Do you not understand this parable, parable of the sower? How then will you understand all the parables? So these aren't merely fables. They're not just good stories to entertain. In them, Jesus is revealing the very very reality of God's kingdom. At least to some. As I mentioned before, parables also conceal the truth from those whom Jesus wants to conceal it. This is why Jesus says after the parable, he who has ears, let him hear. He's alluding to the text in Isaiah 6, 9-10 that says, Go and say to this people, Keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull, and their ears heavy, and blind and blind their eyes, lest they see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their hearts, and turn, and be healed. Jesus is quoting from Isaiah. And in Isaiah 6, Isaiah the prophet has just stood before God. He's seen the train of glory over all the earth and he is undone. And so he volunteers to go forth and be the mouthpiece for God. And so God sends him, but the message of God to the people will not penetrate their heart, but instead lead to judgment. And if they could just remember Isaiah's text, perhaps they would have seen the hint that Jesus is giving that their hearts are dull to the word of God unless the Lord opens one's heart to the word of God, to hear it, to hold it fast, to treasure it and obey it, they will not be saved. That's really what this passage is about. He is speaking to people about what brings about this true transformation, what will lead to salvation in the kingdom of God. One has to have ears to hear the word of God. But as we will see, there are several different kinds of hearing. But only one kind will truly lead to being born again. So let's look at the meaning of Jesus' parable. Jesus begins his explanation describing these first three soils. Each of these three soils describes a kind of hearing. And I was helped by one pastor who describe these first three types of hearing in this way. One, defenseless hearing. Two, shallow hearing. And three, distracted hearing. So we're going to walk through these first three soils, ways of hearing, ways of responding to the word of God. First one, let's look at defenseless hearing. This is verses 11 and 12. Verse 11 says, Now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. As we're explaining the parable, we understand the seed is the word of God being sown. Jesus makes it clear that the seed is to be cast over these various types of soils, which means that God is the one sowing, or in this case, Jesus himself. And the four soils are those who will receive, are to receive or rightly hear the word as it's cast. And note the response then of each soil of each person. Note the spiritual condition that they are in. The first soil is the well-traveled path that has become hard. If any of you have lived in an area where there's that path, I I grew up in Washington State, tons of hiking everywhere, and you would see these trails, and they would be well-worn-down trails. Uh, If it was a wet area, it would be compacted just like asphalt. So you can imagine tossing out a seed on top of this hard, compact soil. There's no way it's going to penetrate. The seed is merely going to lie on top of that hard soil, right for the picking of birds to come and eat it. And that's exactly what happens. Satan comes and steals the word from their hearts like a bird picking up the seed. And he does it so that they may not believe and be saved. Friends, doesn't it frighten you to think that Satan can come and steal the very thing that can save people? Satan can steal the word of God from ever sinking down deep into a person's heart. This is the work of Satan. He knows that the way to fight against God's work in the world is to prevent our trusting in the word. That is what he did in the garden by asking the simple question to Eve, did God really say?" And instead of believing God and His Word fully, Eve listens to Satan. Instead of receiving and trusting God in that moment, Satan sows doubt in her heart. You may be here this morning thinking, hey, you know what you're about. You're not, you know you're not a Christian. You're here Uh, You're unconvinced, you're unreceptive to the Word of God and its truth, feeling sure about what you believe, confident about what you think about the world and about God. Let me just encourage you, friend. You don't realize that there is a supernatural enemy whose aim is to keep you in darkness, to steal from you the only thing that can show you whom you need and how to be saved. This is defenseless hearing. Let's look at verse 13 that shows us shallow hearing. Verse 13 says, And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. But these have no root. They believe for a while. And in time of testing, fall away. The seed that falls on the rocky soil has just enough water, moisture in the air, enough time that a plant might spring up but without roots that go deep into the ground into the soil where the nutrients and the water is no plant can survive it may look like they are alive but you will not get a crop from that kind of plant there is no fruit I don't know about you, but the longer I've lived, the more I realize there are a lot of people who say they are Christians, say they're believers. They went through an event, uh, an evangelism event somewhere, and they responded emotionally, enthusiastically. But in their life, there is no root. Think about many reasons why people come to church and they seemingly profess faith. Maybe they just want to come to church to belong with other people. Maybe they're coming to church because they're with mom and dad, or because there's that cute guy or that cute girl. Or again, maybe they're just lonely, and they just want to be around other people, and they're happy to go with the flow. But when things get hard, when the time of testing comes, their true colors are revealed, and it's shown they were truly Never born again. Friends, have you ever known this to happen? Do you know people in your own life, family, friends, where it seemed like they had this real excitement for God, but then things get hard. It was just too difficult. They go back to their old way of life. They prove They never truly believed, were never truly converted. It's sad. And it's a warning to think about mere enthusiasm, a mere talking, a profession of faith, that there's something deeper, more lasting, more permanent, more transformative that we are to see in a believer's life. True fruit that indicates a new life. Some people believe that this parable, you can believe the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, be truly saved, and then somehow fall away. I don't think that's what this parable is teaching. This belief here is not this deep, transformative belief, but it's a superficial, temporary belief that is exposed for what it is through trial. There's no lasting fruit. There's no genuine conversion that we will soon see in the fourth soil. So we looked at defenseless hearing. We looked at shallow hearing. Now we're going to look at distracted hearing. Verse 14 says And for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear. But as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. The word has fallen in soil that is already occupied, there's competition the cares, riches, pleasures of life. they are these rapidly growing, resource-demanding thorns that will quickly overrun the seed of God's word. I'll never forget the time that I was working in construction in uh, the Oregon coast. My wife and I, after we got married, moved to the Oregon coast. Beautiful area. But the problem with the Oregon coast is uh, it's a perfect environment for uh, these blackberry bushes to just grow like crazy. So I decided I'm going to I got to do something. I started working construction and we had to pull a roof off a house. In America, they have these nasty roofs and you have to use a shovel and you just pull up the roof that's made of rubber and you throw it off the, off the roof, the roofing material. And you did that for a whole week. And then after that week was done, we went down with plastic bags and grabbed the roofing and put it in the bag. The only problem is around this house was blackberry bushes. Totally around. They were It was probably... Uh, seven feet high, you know, two and a half meters. And I had to crawl through it, had to fight through it, had to just reach through and grab all these uh, different pieces of roofing. And it would get scratching me up. In fact, after uh, a week of doing that, I was at home, and I noticed there was this red spot on my leg, and uh, I was like, what is this? And like, I was like digging in it, and out came this three centimeter long thorn that was dug into my leg it was absolutely disgusting anyway the point is that nothing else could grow around this house the owner wasn't it wasn't there it was somebody's vacation home they'd left it and what had happened is these thorns had overtaken the entire property the blackberry bushes crowded out every other plant from thriving in that area friends this is what the cares pleasures riches of this world does to yours and my heart the cares is literally anxieties these are the three things that compete for your heart for your attention and left unchecked will grow like a weed think about these anxieties that you might have in your life man when you're young and i'm not young anymore i'm in my late 30s but when you're young you might think "Oh, i've got some anxieties but when you get older you get married, you have kids, your kids start to grow older, you start to think about anxieties on behalf of your kids, right? Anxieties just compound. Pretty soon you've got health issues, you know, you're, every time you sleep you pull something somehow in your sleep and you can't move, and uh, you're, you're concerned now about your health or your spouse's health, and now your parents are getting old and their health is going down. Anxieties just increase, do they not? Especially as you try to care for other people. As you care for kids that grow older. And pretty soon, if you were to give in to the various anxieties that are out there, not just in your own life, but in the world, you'd be consumed, you could be consumed by the cares, the anxieties of this world. Perhaps you've indulged in certain pleasures. You've become accustomed to a certain level of comfort in your life. The weekend is for that round of golf, that nice meal on the town. You just need to get away. You need to go back to my home country for a bit, get out of the heat. I've got my cabin there. I've got my property I've got to take care of. I I need to have my home-cooked meal uh, from my, my home country. I need those things. And pretty soon you begin to obsess over that pleasure or that comfort. Is it a TV show? Is it some sort of entertainment that you need? But without it, life doesn't feel like it's worth living. You can't imagine not having those things. There's no room for the Word of God that tells you to die to that pleasure and to hold Christ higher than every pleasure. Do you find yourself preoccupied with the riches of this life? either the getting of more riches or the holding on to and the spending of the riches that you currently have. We're going to look next week on what Jesus has to say about wealth and riches. It's no secret. We live in a country with a wide disparity of riches, poor and uber wealthy. Some of the greatest concentrations of wealth on this planet are in the UAE. And do you find your heart captivated comparing yourself, ranking yourself with the levels of wealth in this country? Are you discontent with where your station is right now? Longing to be that next level up, just a little more. If you just had a little more, then you'd be happy. Then you'd have enough. You don't realize that the pursuit of earthly treasure has choked your ability to see the treasure of God's word for what it really is. Friends, this is not to say that if you have cares in your life, that if you enjoy pleasures like vanilla ice cream, being outside in a beautiful place, that somehow you are on the verge of proving your heart is deficient, a bad soil. We all have cares. We all have anxieties. right? The Bible instructs us to cast our cares upon him for he cares for us. First Peter 5:7. Likewise, God is the provider of all that we have, and if rich, we are to be rich toward God. And the point is this: for a Christian, the competition, in the competition between the Word of God and other things in our lives, the Word of God must win out. So, friends, we've talked about these three types of hearing so far: defenseless. Shallow, distracted hearing. Whether on the path, whether on rock or thorns, the message of Jesus is clear. These kinds of hearing will not bring fruit. They will not lead to transformation. Each of these kinds of people have in some way externally heard the word of God and intellectually may have even understood it on some level. But there is a deficiency internally. Of hearing the word of God. It has not led to a right response. To a changed heart. To a new life. To salvation. All three of these soils represent those who are destined ultimately to face God's wrath and punishment. So hearing God rightly, truly is spiritual warfare. Think about what kills the word in each of these three soils. You have the world, its cares, cares. You have the flesh, its pleasures and pursuits, and the devil. All three of these oppose God and his word. So friends, listen to what happens when the word of God falls into good soil. Verse 15 says, As for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold fast in in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. Friends, this is about the word of God preached, heralded, the good news of the gospel, liberally scattered, taught, only the fourth soil gives us a picture of true repentance, a right response to that word. The one who hears the word of God, who receives it, holds it fast, in belief and trust, and obeys it will yield a fruit of righteousness. By way of application, I see three ways that we must understand the word of God in order to use, in order for us to demonstrate that we're hearing the word rightly so three ways that we must understand the word of god in order for us to hear the word of god rightly first number 1 the word of god must be revealed to us the word of god must be revealed to us we have to go to god to hear his word we have to go to him The originator, and how has he spoken to us? How has he revealed the word to us? Well, in the passage, the disciples go to Jesus and ask him for the meaning of the parable, and Jesus reveals to them that what they're actually getting is the secrets of the kingdom of God. Jesus tells a parable about, I don't know, it's like a paragraph four different types of soils and a sower, and they're like, "Ah, Jesus, give me some clarity. He's like, This is the secret of the kingdom of God, and I'm now giving it to you. Think about the the raising of the stakes that Jesus just did. Did the disciples understand what they were hearing when they heard it? They are getting the final development of revelation. Jesus has come to proclaim the good news of the gospel, and he's giving it to them. They're not going to get it anywhere else unless the one who knows the secret unveils the secret to you, you're not going to find it anywhere else. There's no other place that you can go for this knowledge. There's no secret cave of wisdom in Christianity. God has not instructed us to pray to Him for new revelation. Hebrews 1, 1-4 makes it clear that in the final days, we've heard the full and final revelation from God that He wants for us about Jesus from Jesus. And it's all captured here. In God's Word. This is it. And this is why we prize the Bible so much here at ECC. We want you to hear the Word of God in the call to worship, in our prayer of confession and oration, in the very songs that we sing on each Lord's Day, and surely in every sermon that is preached from this pulpit, which is what gives me night sweats when I have to preach every week, any week that I preach. If you, ever get a, if you ever get a chance, to, by the way, this was in the first service. If you ever get a chance, sit down and ask Pastor Aubrey, Pastor Christian, you can ask me too, what is it like to prepare to preach God's word? Hardest thing on the planet. Most nerve wracking thing I think I've ever done. Because you think about the weight of what this is and what it means. The only way that we know God personally, relationally, and finally is through His Word. This is our instruction. This is the authority over our lives. The Bible is not a talisman. It's not a totem. It's not an object to be worshipped. His Word is is to us. He gave us. It's breathed out Scripture, perfect in every way, able to help us live the life that He commands that we live before Him. Only through His Word do we hear the command... To believe in Jesus who alone can forgive us of all our sins we must have the word revealed to us the second way we must understand the second thing that we must understand is that the word of God must be obeyed in the first three soils each hear the word of God but verse 15 says that only the fourth soil the good soil holds fast to the word in an honest and good heart. Here, the person receiving the word of God believes it and obeys the word. It's one thing to hear the word of God and to think the truth of the, of the word abstractly, like "oh, that sounds true." But it's a different thing. Oh, excuse me. I can go through the motions. You can go through the motions of showing up to church. You have your Bible, opening it up. You can listen to the sermon from Pastor Aubrey, Pastor Christian, anybody else who's preaching. But it's another thing entirely to hear that word. And have it sink down deep into your heart and ask questions like, "How do I obey this word?" How does this change my life and reality? What does this say about What does this truth say about how my life conforms to God's word? The honest and good heart is one that seeks to hear the Word of God and obey it. Okay, so at this point, you may be asking this question, How is it even possible? that anyone is saved. How do you get this heart? How do you have a a mind and a will to receive the word of God? How do you get that? Brothers and sisters, this parable given to us by Jesus is a foreshadowing of his work on the cross and bringing redemption to many and making new hearts. John chapter 12 talks about Jesus' life as a seed the purpose of which is to be planted, to be buried in the ground, so that through the death of the seed, it will yield a rich harvest. Jesus' death on the cross enables new birth, turning our hearts of stone into hearts of flesh, soft, prepared by Jesus himself to receive the word of God. Friends, only Jesus can give you that kind of heart. It is purchased by Christ himself through his blood poured out and his body buried for our sake. So to hear the word of God like this is to be given supernatural senses to see that Jesus is that very word of God. He is the word made flesh. Jesus isn't telling the Jews in this parable, hey, listen better to the old covenant but is pointing to a future new covenant where those with new hearts born by the blood of Christ would see and savor Christ, the word of God in the flesh. This is the point of the parable. New believers in Christ are given this soft soil and this new heart that enables an obedience of faith in Jesus Christ. Yes, true hearing, true hearing of the word of God leads to understanding, belief, holding fast to this truth, and that first obedience to believe that Christ is our glorious Savior. The th- so we looked at the word of God must be revealed. The word of God must be obeyed. And the third thing we must understand is that the word of God must be proclaimed. Verses 16 through 17 read, No one, after lighting a lamp, covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed, but puts it on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. For nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. The truth of the good news of Jesus Christ is not something that can be hidden. Earlier in Luke, we heard from Jesus that he is concealing the truth of the parables from some. Friends, that's the prerogative of Jesus. For us as believers now, we hide nothing. We have received and heard the good news of Jesus Christ, and it is a light that is shining brightly in the darkness. So you have the word of God now was a seed. It's a great picture. Now you have the word of God as a light. The gospel uh, burning brightly, shining. And as the disciples who are born again, we are to lift high this truth of the gospel having been made alive by the Word of God, it would be crazy to somehow keep it hidden. Imagine if we were lost in the desert somehow, a group of us. Let's say I light my torch, and all of a sudden we can see, the, we can see just what's around us, the relief of all the different uh, uh, sand dunes, and you can find your way out. And what if I just took the torch and like threw it into a jar, putting it out? You'd be crazy. You'd probably jump me and like try to take the torch from me because you don't be lost in the dunes. Having seen the light, you're not going to go back to darkness. Why would you? And this is the point of verse 17. Everything that is hidden will come to light. The light of the gospel of Jesus Christ is to shine forth. And those who have believed it, those who have trusted, cannot help but shine the light of Christ. Our passage ends with verse 18. Take care then how you hear, for to the one who has, more will be given, and to the one who has not, even what he thinks he has will be taken away. The four soils are distinguished by how they hear, how they respond to Jesus. Three of the soils insufficiently respond. It's not enough to hear Jesus' name, to be born into a Christian family, to go to church, to hang out with Christian friends, or have people think you're a Christian. None of that counts as hearing the Word of God. All of that hearing, all of that external dressing will amount to nothing. And in the end, that will be taken away. The other soils, those who hear with a good heart. They hear God's Word, they internalize it, they believe it, they have Jesus. And as you hear God's Word, more will be given to you. To you. So, really, in this parable, there are two types of soil. Really, just two types. The soil that rejects God's word, never fully believing or obeying it, which leads to death. And the soil that believes, hears, trusts, holds fast to the word of God. In the kingdom of God, it is God Himself who is able to give you this new heart. To receive the word. That's what Jesus came to do. He came not just to tell us that we need a new heart that receives the word of God, but he died in order to give us this new heart. He died to be the word of God, to bring the word of God, and to enable, to bring new birth. So friends, I pray that God would give you a heart that longs to hear the word of God. As born again, trusting in Christ, having heard and believed the word, that you would hunger all the more for the word of God, that he would continually add more and more to you. That you would delight in his word. And friends, we do pray for those who do not yet know Christ. They need a new heart. Maybe you're here, sitting here today, going like, I don't have that. And part of your journey then as someone who has not yet been born again is to realize you need a new heart. Only Jesus can give you that heart. We pray to that end that the Lord would soften, would make that heart anew in you and that you would respond rightly to the word of God. That's how you know that maybe your new heart is there. You long for God's word. You hunger for it. So if you're here and you've not yet followed or trust in Jesus and you'd like to know, what does that mean? Okay, I've heard the word before now, this morning, I, I want to know. You can talk to any one of us. Can talk to myself, I'll be here after the service. I'd love to tell you more about what it means to follow Jesus, what the Word of God means for you. Let's pray. Father in heaven, truly our hearts are before you. We are not masters of our own hearts. We're not able to remake our soil. Can't be born again in in and of ourselves. And yet having been born again, having been given new hearts, those who've trusted in you, those who love you, those who have heard your word, Lord, I pray that you would keep us, keep us from distraction Protect us from the devil who means to steal the word, still from us. Keep us from the competition of thorns in our lives, the cares, the pleasures, the riches. Well, Father, help us to see the treasure that you have bestowed upon us in Jesus. And Father, I pray for those who have not yet been born again. I pray that you would give new hearts to the people here who have not yet been born again. I pray that you'd give new hearts to our coworkers, our families, to the local people that we meet on a day to day basis. That as we also are like the sower, liberally sowing the word of God wherever we go, we would trust that you are the one who prepares their hearts to hear the word. And then in due time, you will bring about a harvest. We thank you, God, for your truth. Help us hold fast to it. We ask and pray in Jesus' name, amen.